genre. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Two Towers, one imaginary conversation at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Norman Mitchell. And joining us again today is Niall McGowan from Bat Minute. Hello. Hey. Glad to be here. (laughs) Yeah. Glad to have you back. Um, And today we're talking about Minute 212. I almost said 112. And I was like, oh no. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) What happened? (laughs) Oh God. I just lost 100 what was minutes. minute 112 i don't know so we're talking about minute 212 which starts with uh mordor um crackling i guess yeah, and just, uh, lightning. just lightning thunder music cue and ends with imagine dragons is playing in the imagine dragons. <laughs> thunder. oh god get out of here um and it ends with frodo saying his own name yep Speaking in the third person, just like Gollum. <laughs> just like Gollum. Another way in which they're similar in the narrative <laughs> of the movie. It'd be one of those things, you could put that in the IMDb trivia or something. It's just like, Peter Jackson purposely puts uh, at the end of this minute Frodo saying his own name to allude to the fact that he is slowly becoming more and more like Gollum. And then some people will be out there like, that's 100% true. Yes, that is definitely, it's like, oh, that's how well planned out it was. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely true. He's not just quoting the book. <laughs> because this conversation is directly lifted from the book. Mm. It, with one with a with one minor but like really important alteration for the way that the the scene flows in the lines. Mm-hmm. Because in the book it's Samwise the stout-hearted. Yeah. Oh. Not Samwise the brave. Oh, but... Samwise the brave is like faster, it's easier to say. Yeah, it's actually well, I would be like, oh, I wonder I don't know, maybe if it's, um, I don't know, that, that, that's, I, didn't never, I didn't know that, you see, so I'm like, oh, it is weird that they've changed that. It just At some point, there was a note in the script going like, nope, stout-hearted is out, brave, there you go. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just like, Brave communicates communicates a little more than stout-hearted. It's, it's, brave sounds more active. I think it's it's two different things. I don't know, I... Brave sounds more active. Mm. Stout-hearted is about resilience. Because mm. stout-hearted almost makes him sound like he's just stubborn. I was like, oh, yeah, it's stout-hearted old kid. You know, <laughs> it's like, oh, you can't, you can't move him for anything. <laughs> but yeah, Samwise the Brave is a bit more like, yep, yeah, uh, yeah, I can imagine him out doing stuff. I, I also, I miss the alliteration of it, though. Yeah, that's true. I am a big fan of alliteration. Mm. Yeah. Samwise the Brave. Oh, man, you'd freaking love it over in Batman then. Jesus, what they're... We, uh, I mean, you guys, have, you booked to come on at some point, but like we do outros where it's like in the style of like the 60s TV show, like next time, well, the Cape Crusaders. And because I've just been doing it for so long now, I've just started writing these elaborate tongue twisters and they've just gone alliteration <laughs> crazy. Like, nice. Or alliteration loopy, I guess, would you be? <laughs> That's the best. And, uh, and plus it just suits for DC because they're just like I guess more with oh no we had it with the last movie with Vicky Vale I guess so uh, but yeah but mm. the, the Superman universe is like freaking oh, Lois Lane and Lana Lang and Lex Luthor and all mm-hmm. this <laughs> why are they all L names I guess because then he's Kal-El I guess maybe they're trying to tie, tie it into like, 
It's like, oh yeah, you're just naturally drawn to people with the name L in them. <laughs> Superman's the ultimate egotist, then. <laughs> right? Yeah. Much like Frodo at the end of this minute, <laughs> even though he, he's just he's, <laughs> mid, he's actually midway through making a very nice statement about his friends, but yeah, he decided to twist that into something <laughs> negative just for just for kicks. Right at the beginning of this minute, before we get to Frodo and Sam, though, the look that Vigo Mortensen as Aragorn is giving the horizon is almost just like, is that guy looking at me? <laughs> Can he see me? Can he see me from here? It's like, yeah, that's a good question. Should I be worried? I think maybe Sauron can as well. He might be like, eh, that's right. There's another version of this where like it's him and like the Witch King. Just like, ah, I see him. He's looking at us. I'm going to get you, buddy. <laughs> well, there's, there's implication in the text of the book that Sauron can see pretty much to all corners of Middle-earth that aren't physically blocked from his vision. So what does that mean? Like, he can't see in... But he can't see it all at once. Oh, okay. He has to actively search, which is why he has trouble finding the ring. So you uh, do you mean, like, blocked from his vision is in, like, Gandalf or someone's having to, like, I'm putting up a blockade so you cannot see in here. Yeah, magically, or he can't see under the ground, which is why he can't see where Gollum is with the ring in the Misty Mountains. That's a crappy power. That's a crappy (laughs) superpower. (laughs) So I thought you meant, like, things that he's physically blocking him is in, like, oh, he can look at your house, but he can't see in it. (laughs) Because it's just like... Yeah, he can't see in it. He can just see your house. (laughs) It's like Google Earth. (laughs) Yeah, just Sauron has the Google Earth view of Middle Earth. But then the guy probably actually what he does, that is what he does have, but he's managed to PR spin it. So it makes him sound more badass than he actually is. An all-seeing eye. No, he's not all... He is all-seeing, I guess. He can, <laughs> he can see to the edges of Middle-earth. And I mean, there's there's establishment of the ability to see all of Middle-earth in one of the powers of the Valar in the description of uh, Manwe's seat. Mm. Oh, yeah. He's on top of that big mountain. The tallest his, mountain yeah, yeah, yeah. in uh, Valinor. Oh. And he can see all of Middle-earth from there. Yeah. And so Sauron has built himself his own tallest place. <laughs> yeah. Because Barador is miles high. Mm-hmm. That's what I always wonder what like what else happened in Barador though. Cuz it's like is it just purely for I mean within the movie all we ever see is the eye at the top of it. So it's almost as if it's like a big But it's clearly a fortress. Yeah. Because it has like stairs on the outside and crenellations mm-hmm. and windows. And there's lights in the windows. But that's who, who's staying there, though? Because there yeah. are orcs walking around on some of the parapets on Barador in some of the shots. Is that oh. where all the orcs live? Is it like a just an apartment complex? There's a whole bunch of orc holds in Mordor, mostly on the the pla- the, the plateau of or the plains of Gorgoroth, the place that I like named last week. Yeah, uh, that used to be strongholds of Gondor when they conquered Mordor at the end of the Second Age. And then they've slowly been driven out by the orcs and, like, Sauron's rising power. And that's how they lost Minas Morgul. Mm. And then all those holds and lost control of the Black Gate. And then it's just like, well, now we're stuck over here. Now I'm just thinking about, like, Barador. With, does it have, like, artist lofts? Like, does it have, like, really nice studio apartments for the orcs? Well, no. <laughs> I mean, they built it. So they yeah. built it however they wanted, probably. It's like Sauron's one thing was it has to have a, a big spire at the top where my eye can be, where I where I get to sit as an eye. I just wonder though, is that the one like that might actually be the one place that Sauron can't can't see because it's like, oh, if you're in Baradur, 
he can't look straight down. <laughs> like he has to. <laughs> he can look outwards onto the plane, but if you if you're up to something in barrier door, it's like oh no, he can't see you because it's like he just can't move that way. And he's just an eye. Presumably, he can't hear you. Yeah. So it's like oh, this like that's the, maybe was where like he doesn't even know the orcs are there. He's just like oh yeah, this is where we get rid of. <laughs> we get you know, we manage to vent every once in a while. We go there. We you know. You know smoke some cigars and play some cards and stuff and just hang out. <laughs> They're like right under the eye on top of the tower playing poker. <laughs> just dicking off instead of doing their jobs. But how does he how does he speak? Because he clearly says I see you to yeah, Frodo. He talks psychically, so he I just, imagine. What? Okay. It's just a big psychic eye. I'm just imagining those sometimes like the, those guys are sitting there having like a little mini party and then they'll get freaked out because like the witch king is flying around in his dragon. And the Witch King just jumps <laughs> off onto Barador and just takes out like a six pack out of from underneath his robe. And he's like, "Oh man, I need this today." <laughs> just hey, cracking open up. a cold one with the boys. <laughs> yeah. But every time he catches orcs just goofing off playing poker, he like delivers them to Shelob. <laughs> oh no! And then he just goes back and he's just like, "Yeah, I'm a hypocrite. Tell me to stop." <laughs> well, that's actually that's probably you know we could. It might be best to wait until like Shelob's alluded to in the upcoming minutes. But you're talking about like how Sauron talks. I never got like because I I read the books when I was in uh, school. I've not like gone back to them since. But I know the the idea is that Gollum has communicated with Shelob and worked out a deal with her. So it's like the Shelob talk as well, and it's just like they just yeah, went in the, in the book. She talks, so they're just like I'm pretty sure. So because I think they did the same with the Hobbit, then they they had talking spiders and that, and then yes. presumably Peter Jackson's like it looks really stupid, so we're just gonna not do it. Or did he have a specific <laughs> reason where he's like, no, I don't want to hear her talk because it'd just be weird. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much the long and short of it. He's just like. Why, why does a big monster spider need to talk? It's a big monster spider. Yeah. It's scary if it's just this unknown deadly thing. Mm. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about it in the next movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to get to see a whole bunch of Shelob. But I think humanizing the big scary monster by having her talk is probably not as scary, but yeah. also an Would intelligent spider. Would the xenomorph be scary if it talks? I don't know. Have you seen that thing? <laughs> But, like, it opens its mouth and a little mouth comes out and talks. It just has a tiny microphone. <laughs> it's just holding up a tiny microphone or a little megaphone to the little tiny mouth. Because uh, I imagine, though, they'd have to give it, like, a creepy spider voice. So it'd be sort of talking like a spider. And I guess, yeah, it would just be, like, it, it's, it is so much simpler to be, like, it's just under. You don't even, you could almost imagine Gollum just, you know, it, it she love not talking back to him. They came just going, like, look. If you spare me, I'll do this, and the spider just kind of backs off, and it's just sort of an understood, unspoken thing. That like, yeah, if you let me go, I'll bring people back for you, and stuff like that. Well, yeah, because the, the big magic spider that Shelob is descended from, Ungoliant, was, it, it spoke, it made deals with Morgoth, mm. the, the first Dark Lord. Yeah. And then he was afraid of her, and was just like, I don't know how to stop what I've done. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Morgoth! He's always getting into trouble. And he's like just that. like, I didn't know. I didn't know the spider would literally eat the trees. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> and Manway was just like, doesn't matter. You let the spider in. <laughs> but here's one thing I have to. Maybe you guys, with your knowledge of further lore, can elaborate on this. Because when Sam's describing this story of like, oh, yeah, the story of Frodo and the Ring. And you know Frodo, he was the most famous, the most famousest of all hobbits, and that's saying something. And I was like, 
what other famous hobbits are there? <laughs> There's <laughs> Bilbo. That's it. Uh, <laughs> like, Tobold Hornblower. And, and these four. Like <laughs> Tobold. Uh, I think was it Hornblower? I can't remember what I what his name was now. I think it was Hornblower, the guy that brought pipeweed to the Shire. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's very famous. Well, apparently, like the tallest Hobbit is a Took. He was famous. What What are Hobbit tales like? Are they just tales of other Hobbits? I I guess yeah. So I guess they they, they like to tell stories. So. Yeah. I guess so. His, his, his statement still is inaccurate, though, and in, be saying like, "Oh, the most famousest of all hobbits," and that's saying something. It's like I'm assuming all the other hobbits, if all they did was like, "Oh, they brought pipe weed," like they discovered <laughs> pipe weed. It's like, yeah, then going and saving the known universe <laughs> right? by going into like, like the heart of the enemy and throwing his freaking ring in a volcano is, yeah, that's <laughs> of course he's the most famous hobbit. So right, the, it's just like it's oh, like this Frodo, hobbit. Sam, Mary, Pippin, this guy that grew a really big pumpkin one time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the guy that started brewing beer, <laughs> the guy that brought them weed. This is like people like Gandalf coming in and hearing these stories, and we're like, yeah, they take a real dip in quality after like the first one. It's like the no, that Frodo story is pretty good. The Bilbo one's actually okay, but not that much happens in comparison to the first one. And then, like, the rest of them are all terrible. Like, it's just, it's, <laughs> it's like the, the Halloween franchise of Hobbit stories of, like, oh, it's pretty good. That's okay. Awful. <laughs> just, just falls off a cliff. But it's like, when you tell the story of Frodo, do you tell the story of Bilbo first? Uh, I can, I can imagine you could probably just say, oh, no, I guess you have to set up Gollum as well, don't you? Because you could just be like, oh, his, his uncle found a ring and then he... You just tell the story until you introduce Gollum and then go back and tell the whole story. Well, that's why the prologue exists in Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I gotta gotta set up some stuff for you and then we're gonna get to a real long story. (laughs) It's very involved. I've always liked this this moment with Frodo and Sam, though. This is so good. I don't know if I like the transition between the voiceover and their conversation. It happens very abruptly and I... I don't know. I'm not sure that I'm into it. Like from the from Gandalf saying like, "Oh, two hobbits wandering in the wilderness somewhere," and then and then it just it just flashes right. Yeah, to and Sam, then Sam's just, just like, "I wonder if we're gonna be in a story someday." <laughs> but like, I like this for the same reason that I like that scene with uh, Mary and Pippin before they find the the storeroom mm. because it's just hobbits just have this quality to just return to normalcy as soon as they're out of danger. Yeah, for someone who was like recently possessed by an all-seeing evil, Frodo is doing remarkably well. <laughs> Elijah Wood apparently doesn't like that all that much. What? Like he talks about it in the commentary feeling like it just it it's it feels too lighthearted after what you just saw. Yeah. Mm. See, like, like he doesn't he, he feels like Frodo doesn't maybe have this ability to be so lighthearted in him. Yeah. But like this is just the thing about hobbits. So I, do, I do remember, like um, when we like we covered the books in school, and uh, mm-hmm. like a lot of the time because they're so dense, uh, we used to cut between reading chapters, and then the teacher had that uh, the box set of the um, the BBC radio production of the show. It had oh, cool. uh, was John Hurt was Frodo, I think. And uh, I do remember, like when I went to see the films, and been quite surprised at that because my main memory was that like. 
midway through the two towers, Frodo becomes such a buzzkill because he's just so weighed <laughs> down and he's so miserable. And it's like, mm-hmm. th- this movie's like, oh, that's a bit of that, but he seems, like, here he seems fine. Like, it's, well, we thought at this point this would have been, you would see the haggardness in his face because he's getting so close and you'd literally see him kind of, the way that I remember them describing it in that was that it was physically becoming so heavy that he was, like, kind of stooping down and stuff. Like, that's how bad mm-hmm. the, the ring bearer position was. And uh, so I can understand Elijah Wood's position of like, yeah, maybe he should have been a bit more uh, forlorn here. But I guess I know why they're doing it, because they're just setting you up. Like, here's a nice little thing before everything goes to shit for a while, (laughs) because they're going to go through some crap here. (laughs) But like, also, yes, this is the middle part of the story. But because you still have to treat each movie like it's its own sort of narrative for the purpose of pacing it, even if it is the middle part. So... Your heroes have to be okay at the end of the second movie. <laughs> that just, that just Mostly. Reminded, that just reminded me, though, of when I went to see uh, Fellowship with my dad, and he wasn't very, uh, he wasn't aware of the books at all. Like, I think he just knew that they existed, but he wasn't a fan or anything. And um, at the, the end, read, he just knew that this was a big movie that was out, and he didn't look into it more than that. And he loved it. But uh, I remember at the end, he was like, Oh, so is there, like, another one coming? And I was like, yeah, they've, they've made three movies, and this is, like, one of a trilogy. And he's like, oh. Because I was thinking towards the end, it didn't seem like they are going to get to that mountain anytime soon. Can <laughs> 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 well, you imagine, like, sitting through, like, at the two-and-a-half-hour mark of Fellowship, and, like, they're going to have to really wrap this up pretty quickly, because <laughs> how much longer is this thing? That's really funny. <laughs> but, like, this is, this is walking back quite a bit as far as, like, Frodo's attitude. Just from uh, ten minutes ago, he had a knife at, at Sam's throat. Mm. Well, I I like the sentiment that they he he gets to next minute, but I think that I don't know. Maybe they could have like made the bags under his eyes a little more pronounced, or like made him a little more gaunt. At the end of the day, I think they kind of made the right decision to save a lot of that for movie three, mm. because it would have been tiresome to start it in movie two, <laughs> and then spend all well, no, of movie you just three gradually, that way. Like, you gradually work towards it. Yeah, but he he's clearly closer to breaking every time he breaks a little. Yeah. Like, he gets closer every time. He just drew a sword. <laughs> but you could have done, though. Like, if they knew... Maybe... I, th- I think they didn't decide until late in the day that they were starting Return of the King with the Gollum flashback. That I'm not entirely sure if that's accurate, but I think I heard that somewhere, that there was kind of a late-in-the-day decision to do that. But they could have... Yeah, they, they originally filmed it for this movie. Oh, uh, when when Frodo names him Smeagol again. Oh, yeah, they were going to the, cut. To they were going to cut to that flashback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the thing yeah, is that that know. flashback, it doesn't do. Uh, I, I don't think it does him a lot of favors, though, because when you look at it, it's kind of like, oh, so he was always a creep. Like, even when he's human, he's just a bit like, <laughs> I don't like this guy. He just seems a bit off. <laughs> like everything about him is like, it's not this. I, I never got the vibe of like, oh, this innocent human being to or a little hobbit-esque kind of creature to like tragic you know monster i just kind of got like oh guy who was already creepy just gets way way creepier due to his own <laughs> creepiness <laughs> so maybe that but uh, i could have uh scuppered the, the the narrative they were going for there but um but no i would have thought it would have been interesting though if they had started putting like a little light bit of makeup on frodo's face and then when you see the Gollum transformation in the next movie, they have that same kind of makeup on because they could cue the audience to like, this is what's happening to him and stuff, even though you know oh, that wow. already. But it would have been a nice little visual throwback. And then even at the end of that flashback, cutting back to Frodo, when you see the similar makeup, you'll be like, oh, 
oh, so that's where we are in this. But right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Peter, like the movie made all the money in the world, so I guess they they know better than me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. This quality of hobbits is the thing that makes them so strong. Mm. Like this quality of hobbits to just go right back to being normal when they're out of danger. They just continue to be hobbits. Yeah. It's their their resilience is made is most explicit in this sort of mannerism. Mm -hmm. That's the the thing though, because I I did a bit of looking into the 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 past of Sean Astin and uh, I didn't realize that he was one of the voices on uh Prince Valiant way back in the day. You guys ever Oh wow really? Yeah, you know that one that was like it was very I think Tim Curry was in it. But it was like a like an early '90s Prince Valiant cartoon, I always remember it yeah. had a really intense theme tune. It was like a real like upon this beach I see a million grains of sand. It goes into his launches into a power ballad. I remember nothing else about that show except for like how <laughs> overtly epic the opening was. And then like, finally, I was like, "Oh crap!" Sean Astin was one of the people in it. <laughs> it was like it was a nice thing to discover. That's awesome. Yeah, man. That. I think that was before my time. I haven't seen those in a while. They were just like on syndication, like really early in the morning. <laughs> there was one when of those, I was growing up. There's that kind of cartoon that never got to the the, the status of success that would warrant it been brought back. You know, because you always get like, oh, people, oh, the, the you know Transformers and He Man still kind of on the go and things like that. And they'd be like, oh, there's you know they did a Gem and the Holograms movie and stuff because people remember Gem and the Holograms. But there's no one out there, like, banging for, like, what about relaunching that Prince Valiant cartoon they did? <laughs> like, there's no one going, like, Brave Star was a thing. People remember Brave Star? Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a... That was buried deep. <laughs> now I have the theme in my Just, head. You know, like, childhood repressed memories. <laughs> Brave Star has the, um, the same theme song, the same instrumental... The same instrumental composition as another like 80s cartoon that was way more popular trying to remember what it was that's the thing i brave star was actually like one of my favorites because i used to have the the vhs of like the feature length sort of i guess it was like a pilot or maybe they made the show first and then they went like oh we'll do like a prequel pilot or something but i've, I've, I've seen it like in more recent years and actually, the one actually has like the yes, yeah, the instrumental theme rather than like the you know eyes of the hawk, bears of the wolf, and all that <laughs> stuff that they throw on the the actual show. And it was weird because like that feature length pilot thing actually really stands up. It's like oh, this is like a really good movie. And then you watch the show and it's awful. <laughs> it's like what did they know? Maybe they did it towards the end or something where they're like we're going to be canceled. We might as well do something good with this property and a last ditch attempt to save it. <laughs> I was like, oh, all that garbage we've been giving you for years. You can forget about that. Here's the good stuff. Oh, we're done. Oh, sorry. Well, it was nice. It was a nice try. See ya. Yeah, just took their ball and went home. <laughs> it was nice while it lasted. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> this is like, I don't know. There's all kinds of just terrible forgotten cartoons from the late 80s and early 90s. <laughs> like Cowboys of Moo Mesa. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. What? Cowboys of Moo Mesa. Are they literal cows? Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> and the main character has a gun that shoots sheriff stars. Why aren't we watching this right now? Was the cowboys of Moo Mesa? Was because they were literally cowboys who were cows, but they also gathered cattle. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, that's like the Goofy and so Pluto exist so in the same slavers. universe. Thing. <laughs> but this is kind of almost like. 
are these guys like is this like slave trading or something they're doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is this is very oh just, maybe that's why maybe that's like why they're not brought back. They're like that was a lot of <laughs> icky subtextual stuff we don't want to go into with the cowboys of Moo Mesa. And they're protecting the place from another evil cow. That is <laughs> That's amazing. I think that's all in that sort of post Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles era, though, where it was like yeah, like <laughs> street sharks. Yeah, street sharks and samurai pizza cats, which was like, oh, they even just stole the pizza thing. <laughs> they're like, yep, there's the samurais. They like pizza and they're cats. And then like bike, biker <laughs> mice from Mars. Like, yep, this. Yep. Oh, that's. I had a biker mice from Mars lunchbox oh as a kid. Oh my god. <laughs> I think I remember that one as being like the most successful of the knockoffs. Like biker Mars, mice from Mars almost had like a. A smidge of credibility to it. It's like, oh, it's not a. I mean, it's a total ripoff of the turtles, but it's not quite as a total ripoff as the other total ripoffs. So maybe that one will eventually. The demand might arise. Where like, coming next year, Idris Elba is playing the the main mouse from Biker Mice from Mars. <laughs> they even had like their own April O'Neil April O'Neil in that show. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't there one where there were like cats and they flew airplanes or something? Oh, there's SWAT cats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is a great show. <laughs> SWAT cats is more like has a tone more like Batman the animated series. What? Mm. Like it's a little darker when it's silly. About it's, cats flying airplanes. Yeah, when it <laughs> when in its darker moments, it's toned more like Batman the animated series. In its lighthearted moments, it's like Darkwing Duck. So like ah. it, it's on that spectrum. Of stuff going on. That's weird that it's like a noir show. Yeah. About cats who fly oh. airplanes. And they're, they're mechanics by day and like. Oh my god. They have a they have crazy <laughs> technology jet fighters. Jet fighters. <laughs> yeah. I just wonder though, like when they pitched the show, were they thinking this was a rhyming title because it had they both end in ats. So they came in with like it's like SWAT cats. It's like uh, SWAT cats. That, no, that doesn't work. And they're like SWAT. No, no, cats. no. It's, it's SWAT cats. I'm like no. That's like, what are you doing? Why are you saying it funny? Like so, but this doesn't rhyme at all. So can we go back? Say oh no, the, the, oh, the more accepted the pitch. SWAT. No, you're wrong. But SWAT. in the show, everyone keeps saying "swat" all the time. <laughs> it's like we're gonna make it. We're gonna make this work. It's gonna get in those kids' heads, and then eventually, in twenty years' time, everyone will be saying "swat" instead of "swat." Stop trying to make "swat" happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Well, that's a rabbit hole I wasn't anticipating going down today. <laughs> and like, I'm surprised I haven't remade the Gummy Bears cartoon. Swat cats. <laughs> I think it's like the, the 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 cultural sort of vibe is it's almost ripe for the Gummy Bears cartoon because they already did the Lego movie and yeah. they, they did that Angry Birds one so it's like yeah we're just this is acceptable now to just make thing like make feature films and cartoon shows about things that are just like sweets or you know blocks or <laughs> but something. The, the Gummy Bear show is like a fantasy adventure story. Yeah. And they're not literal gummy bears. Isn't they're, it just they're like bears. a D campaign with bears? Yeah, basically, it's like D and D. It's but they're all bears. <laughs> see, I can only I did see it. I can only remember the theme tune. It's like so many of those shows. It's like the theme tune was always top notch, and then the rest of the show sort of like fell by the wayside. Mm. Well, the, the Gummy Bears theme song has like one of the best kids show theme songs ever produced, <laughs> <laughs> and the show pales in comparison. 
I think that's a two its theme song. It's like so many things are like that, though. Because like, I know people recently have got very defensive about this uh, Thundercats redo they're doing. And to be fair, I've seen the footage of it, and it does look like very, very irritating. Like it looks more like mm. a hyper sort of uh, regular show. Oh, they're giving it kind the of, kind of vibe. There, I think they might be going for like a Steven Universe, but like Steven Universe, if it was unbearable to watch, like if it was just <laughs> pent up and nothing but like hyper with sugar, that is what the Thundercats cartoon looks like currently. And people have gotten very. I like the. The 2011 revival of Thundercats is good. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing, though, because uh, that was all the, you know, there was backlash to this new version. And then people were like, you know, they already did, <laughs> like, a, a serious version of it. If you like that, so, if you want that so much, why didn't you watch this when it was on? And, right. Uh, I think it's just. Why didn't you watch it when it was on? Yeah. Instead, yeah. it got canceled. <laughs> because modern people don't watch things in syndication, so the TV model can't be followed anymore. Well, that was like, what, eight years ago? It, seven. It didn't. I mean, people have been binging on Netflix for the last decade. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But uh, that that's the thing, though. Like, Thundercats as a, as a show was, like, terrible. But. The, yes. the intro was like the greatest thing that ever existed. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like you watch that intro; it's setting it's setting itself up too high. As like you, <laughs> like those thirty seconds are like this is gonna be the greatest show ever yeah. to exist, and then you just see what actually happens afterwards. And it's like what the hell is that? <laughs> right, like because the animation quality of the opening is also like wow, this looks awesome, and then like the show is just cuts every corner. Yeah, mm-hmm. in the animation. <laughs> So at least this new version seems to be like, well, the, the animation from the intro to the actual show is at least consistent. So we're not misleading you this time. <laughs> I know the entire stupid sort of omens come to me thing because of Reliant K, <laughs> a band that like did this, like did it as a song. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, welcome to eighties cartoon minute. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you guys can tell, but I don't have many notes for this minute, <laughs> so that's why that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I've uh, been willing to throw myself down this rabbit hole here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have more notes about the next couple yeah, because, of minutes. I mean, like, this is all set up to the actual I mean, thing that he's trying to say. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so we're, <laughs> we're from the website DuelingGenre.com. Check us out there. Check out some of the other non-Movies by Minute related podcasts like The Doctor's Companion, uh, where we talk about Doctor Who, uh, Protagonist Podcast, uh, Geek by Night and Immunities, our two audio dramas, if you like audio dramas, etc., etc. And check out uh, Niall and his co-host over at Bat Minute, where they talk about bat stuff. And <laughs> bat stuff. Same bat stuff. Same bat channel. Swat bat. Swat bat. Swat bats. I've got to pitch that to... John, the co-host now, and then I <laughs> get this. We're changing. We're rebranding. Sweatbat. <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> Does he have to say it like you're like a like a, a portly New York cabbie? Like Sweatjet, kid. <laughs> Where you wanna go? <laughs> I guess it would work oh, though, because we've got Danny DeVito in this movie, so he kind of talks like that there anyway. You go. <laughs> so we're saying you just have to say it like Danny DeVito would say it. Sweatjet. A sweatbat. <laughs> Oh my God. Just channel Frank from It's Always Sunny. Yeah, that's that's horrible advice. <laughs> uh, we'll be back tomorrow to talk about um, the last, like the 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 not the penultimate minute of this movie, but pretty close to it. Yeah, we're almost there. Yeah, we're almost there. We're crawling inch by inch. Bye. Bye. Bye.
genre.